0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. In this episode, I'm talking with Aman from Bangladesh. And as I've mentioned in previous episodes, the number of people coming from South Asia to settle in Tasmania has increased fairly considerably in the last five to 10 years. But Bangladesh is a country that often gets neglected in comparison to say India or Pakistan. Although it in itself is a very populous and in fact very densely populated country. So I'm looking forward to finding out more about Bangladesh from Aman and his background and experiences and what it's been like for him settling down in Tasmania.
1: So the place that I was born shares border with India as well. It was a small district and the place that I grew up till year six. So it was also small. I mean, not many people like okay. the capital. But it's still a good amount of people, and you know, kids all around, and because you know, the people in that um, district, their thinking was even not like the thinking of city people as well. So even like my parents, yes, they got they um like my father uh, has got like a bachelor degree, my okay. mother like higher secondary certificate. Mm-hmm. But again, like when I was, because my father is, uh, is a businessman, he was really busy with business. And my mother, because we are like five brothers and sisters, okay. was really busy yeah. raising kids as well. And I was the eldest in the family. And uh, direction wise, I, you know, when I was in my year six or even like year five, because I was always playing, you know, cricket yeah. or football, but not thinking much about his study, mm-hmm. even at that time. So I had no vision, to be honest. And that's how even uh, a lot of people of that district, they used to think, you know, what they're going to do. Probably after that, you know, after finishing high school, they'll probably start a shop. Okay. <laughs> or, you know, they'll do a business or something like that, you know. So I hadn't actually thought much, you know, at that time when I used to live in that, uh, I mean, district, I was like, probably I'll end up mm. being, you <laughs> know, a, a businessman. Mm. In Bangladesh, we have like Cadet College, so which is like a paramilitary school, not a military school. A school run by the military, but under strict guidelines. So you need to wake up at six, but it's not exactly like military. You do training or things, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of other rules. So, you know, proper breakfast time, waking up time, PT, exercise. You read for a certain time, you know, like three hours in a day, not less than that. You need to do games even if you're not interested, something like that. And it at proper time, you know, together as well. So we used to have like 300 students in each carrot college. So that is start from class seven, like standard seven. Mm-hmm. So standard seven to 12. So high school. Yes. I mean, my father's friend actually came to my father and said, oh, look, you know, I wanted to send my daughter uh, to one of those, uh, one of the coaching, you know, to so that she can try for carrot college admission. So carrot college, you can just, you know, apply at carrot college and get admitted because it, I was like a highly demanding uh, school, mm-hmm. you know, and it is like a boarding school. So you stayed there three months and then probably you get a break for two weeks. So on each year we used to get around, you know, 40, 50, I exactly can remember, but yes, 50, 60 days. And then the rest days we need to spend like in college. So six years I've spent in Carrot College. used to have like 10 carat college at that time. So I was in a cat college named Mirzapur carat College, which was like 55 kilometers away from capital. So normally to be in the cat college, one needs to have, I think maximum age is like 12 and a half from 11, like 11 years to 12 and a half. And you start from seven, like standard seven. And your height should not exceed exceeds, uh, five feet six. But I think now they have actually increased it, increased the limit so four uh four feet seven inch to five feet six and at that time i was like five feet two (laughs) (laughs) so yes it was good and yeah same like you know i was thinking oh i was from a small town and i was going there to study and then people from like capitals there are like sixteen or seventeen from Dhaka. You know, they were in the college as well, and I was nervous. You know, being a kid, only twelve twelve years of age, I was like, oh, haven't been away from family, and not even lived in any other district for for a week as well. So I was like, always with my family.
0: So, so in that period, did you start to get an idea of what you wanted to do in in life?
1: At that time. Yes, I was not actually sure that, yes, I would probably be studying in Australia or, you know, USA or somewhere else. But because of the aspiration that I have at that time and the aspiration that uh, sort of developed in my mind really helped me to think big. Mm -hmm. And I would say it is actually the surrounding. So that's how, you know, like once you get a good surrounding. Yeah. Then you also motivate yourself as well. You get motivation. And then you know that, yes, that guy is actually trying hard to get into, you know, like, say, for example, Harvard. So, yes, Mm. probably I can try to get into an university in overseas. So, that's how ambitious my friends were in Carrot College. And so we had like 50, in each batch, you can have only 50. So, we had like 50, and seven didn't actually survive. So at the end, 43 passed out after finishing year 12. Yeah. And all of them are like, now they're quite professionally settled. And I'm also in good time with them and look quite ambitious. A lot of them are serving in military as well, as a major. That's the thing. They were really ambitious. You know, they, they had their clear path. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, it took a bit of time for me to make my own path. Because at that time, when I was studying in Carrot College, I, when I was in standard nine, so I thought maybe I will be an army officer. Okay. Because in my family, there's no army officer. And at that time, I was really fit. Like, I used to be an athlete as well. And in Carrot College, normally, you know, run by military, so I need to train and then not train, I would say, like, do exercise regularly. Mm-hmm. So, and in my family, I was the only one who was very thin from the start, but now okay. quite a bit of weight. So, yeah, even in Cat college as well, in my batch, I was among the f- few of the fittest guy. And I thought, because my father used to say, oh, look, you know, there's no army officer in the family. Mm-hmm. So my f- my father ex- even like also expected me to be an army officer and in my mind as well i also wanted to be an army officer it was a like good match of career thing that was in our mind and yes so i try to develop myself in that way you know i used to train really hard i was really fit and i did well you know in my exam those who studied in Cat college they call uh, they used to call cadet mm-hmm. so like You know, I was a good candidate, I would say. And very confident at that time. I would say, look, uh, because whatever I was getting, whatever I was intending, I was actually getting it. Mm -hmm. So once people, you know, get things, they try to get confidence no matter, you know, what. So I was really confident and I would not say arrogant, but yes, probably near in some, you know, like circumstances. Yes, I used to be arrogant as well, you know, like in games and sports, if I'm doing and then was good in academics. So, yes, I was like, oh, no, you know, I will make it to the army. <laughs> so that sort of things played in my mind. And, you know, knowingly, or I would say unknowingly, I was confident and my maybe sort of, I would say, look, probably more than 100 percent sure that, yes, I was going to make it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it didn't end well. As a cadet, we have been given opportunity to directly apply for the entrance exam, like into army. So Mm -hmm. we don't need to go through written or like verbal tests. So we just need to be in the training center, stay there for four days. And if we pass, then, you know, we get to uh, attend the training for army. So, yes, I was there for four days, but uh, two times didn't get selected and from that point onwards my confidence level was getting down
0: right
1: and i was thinking i was tr- i was taking things in a different way i was like oh no even though people had confidence on me i was like no i think you know i need probably put need to put more efforts mm-hmm. so yes so that's the thing because i got stuck into a few things, and before that I was getting like whatever I was, you know, wanting, I was actually getting it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have the test of failure. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah. that was the first test of failure that I have received, not getting into army. But look, I'm still thankful because because of that, you know, I ended up in here. Otherwise, I would have been in Bangladesh serving Bangladesh military. <laughs> but Yeah, at that time, I thought maybe that life would be good. But right now, you know, I have no regret that could not make it to army. But I'm happy that yes, whatever happens, happens for good. To get my confidence up, I actually need to work really hard. And even my parents as well, because as I said before, the culture... Mm-hmm. in bangladesh is quite different than australia and then you know because 90 percent of my friends probably they're already admitted into different universities they're already in into training for B, uh, military academy or air force some of them were studying really good universities in bangladesh studying engineering or medicine in you know, a medical college and i was because i prepared myself for army so i Tried a few of the institute. Yes, I got selected, but I was not like, because there was a tendency in Bangladesh as well, especially among cadets, because they used to be, you know, like the brightest students. Mm -hmm. So if they don't get selected to any university, which is not up to their standard, they don't tend to study in there, which is, I would say at that time, you know, I mean, I would say is not a good thing to do. But now actually we can understand, look, um, and that thing doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But yes, that that again, part of the culture as well. So that thing worked because you think, oh, look, I'm from a good family. I need to marry a girl from a good family as well. Okay. So those are actually the culture. Yeah. You
0: know, and so yes. So I guess there's a lot of um, pressure from your
1: Yeah, sometimes, yeah, from family as well. Same, like from my family as well. Look, so uh, I got selected for a few universities and I was thinking, oh, look, how my father will think, you know, so I was actually thinking in that way, even though maybe my father would have taken those things lightly, but I was thinking, oh, look, what will happen if, uh, you know, my father's friend asked my father, like, you know, Mm. where is your son uh, studying? Even now, you know, like a lot of my father's friends ask my father, oh, what? What is a son dying in Australia?
0: You know, yeah. what sort
1: of work he's doing? So they're more sort of, you know, into other people things. Yeah. So that part of the culture that I don't like, but that is really prevalent in yeah. um, Bangladesh yeah. or even in South Asia as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've heard that about some of the other <laughs> other cultures sort of. Yeah. With, um Even Turkey, I think it was. Kind that's of,
1: true. Kind yeah. of similar.
0: Where there can be kind of a good and a bad side to having that all that family support.
1: Yes, that's true. And you, get, you
0: get the support, but you have also more expectation. Yeah, that's true. On, on how you
1: should conduct your life. Peer pressure, I would say, is quite common, and even though like. Pressure from neighbors actually, and pressure from friends, families are more than pressure from within. Yeah. So that's what, which which is not actually prevalent in Australia. I would say like even if it's prevalent, but not at a capacity that is prevalent in Bangladesh or in South yeah. Asia.
0: It's it's a lot less common. Well, it's very uncommon here now. Maybe fifty years ago it was more a little that's more true, more prevalent. Yeah. But it's as as more people
1: mm.
0: here live in cities and are separate the families are separated across the country. Yeah. It just doesn't happen.
1: Like so the job as well, you know. Um, you see, if someone is working in Bangladesh or even in Saudi, she has a chef chef job. Is so that job is not considered a good job. Someone is working as a nurse. Oh my goodness! There are thousands thousands of nurses in Bangladesh, and mm. they're not respected. Right. Same for example mechanics. So there is a class, there is a strata as well. So you said about hierarchy. Yes, like it's not only in the family but also in workplace as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, if someone is working as a driver, we tend not to give that much respect. Maybe we'll give a person will give a person more respect if he or she is working as a lawyer or as a doctor. But not as a nurse, yeah. or not as a. Dr-
0: what were the reasons for you coming to Tasmania?
1: The initial reason was actually study. Mm-hmm. So, I was studying back in my home country at university. Uh, so studying there for two and a half years, and after that, uh, I decided to come to Australia. And it was actually my brother who applied for me. Okay. And before that, I uh, once back in 2011, I made my mind to come to Australia, but it didn't happen. So I was actually too young at that time. I was a bit nervous about uh, going to a different country and study. So when my brother went to USA in 2014, so... My mom was even telling me, oh, look, you need to go to overseas to study. And I was also thinking, yes, going out as well because um, of the situation in Bangladesh as well at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was studying at a public university. My session was actually extended due to political situation and other things. And even though the university was good, I was not actually enjoying this study. Mm-hmm. And um, then... You know, my brother actually applied for me and it was University of Tasmania. So um, I had a look at the offer letter. So they gave me a scholarship. Okay. So, so 25% scholarship and then also exempted me few, from few credits as well. So I All thought, right. look, you know, why not take that chance? Didn't Good. go in
0: so, so just to explain that, that means that you got recognition for the study that you'd already done? That's correct. Yep.
1: Yep. So they recognized my previous study and exempted me from doing seven subjects, which was good. saved uh, me a bit of money, and even though my agent was, uh, you know, a bit dubious about uh, giving me a lot of doubts that should you uh, think twice, you know, before you go to Tasmania, before you make make a move to Tasmania. Okay. So I actually made up my mind, you know, to try. Yeah, I think the agent was uh, the only reason, probably. They're saying, Oh, look, you know, if I go to Tasmania, should I find work in there? Whether I'll be, you know, able to settle in Tasmania or not. So I think yeah. that was their concern. But my point of view was, um, I mean, let's go in there and see what it has. And, you know, I'll always have option to move if I don't like. Yeah. But I just want to try. So. Yeah, and now when I talk with some people, I mean, talk with people even in my workplace or with students, I always say, look, at that day I have taken the best decision of my life. (laughs) Yeah. So what did you, what course did you study? I started uh, a Bachelor of Business. Okay. I started started with um, tourism and management, then I changed from tourism to accounting and did, so I did two major, management and accounting. Okay. So I started my course in 2015 July and finished it in 2018 January.
0: Mm-hmm. So you you started study in Bangladesh. So what was the main
1: um, motivation for wanting to study overseas? But there are a lot of, lot of good students in Bangladesh, universities mm-hmm. are good. But if you compare the education system Mm, you know, Bangladesh or even in South Asia with Western countries. I think the Western countries' education system are good as mm-hmm. compared to others. So that was one point. And the other point was I wanted to go uh, to overseas to study. And yep. I was thinking about different options as well. But, you know, my mom wanted me to study in the USA. Yeah, but because I like cricket, so but the name Australia came to my mind naturally. Mm-hmm. But yes, if I go overseas, well, I'll go to Australia and study in there. So, yes, for study, I would say better education system was one one thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, look better lifestyle as well. It was good. It was a good experience, and then also when I was doing management, I had like I was the only. Um, um, students from overseas. Oh, okay. And all of my friends and uh, all other fellow students were from uh, Australia.
0: Okay. That's yes. fairly and unusual in business, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is in accounting. Like, in accounting, accounting, probably 90% was from overseas. Yeah. But when I was doing, like, management, because I was doing two major management was only one. So I was only from, like, um overseas and rest from um, Australia and all of so we had like a lot of case studies and other things and almost all the students were actually studying management they're like doing work you know maybe someone is doing like professional work and they're actually doing it part-time yeah right yeah but it was good experience you know and that really helped me open me helped me opening up a bit as well mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know it's a new country you know you come into study there are a lot of things to adjust as well yeah. you know, adjusting with the culture adjusting with how people think as well like yeah. in my country when I was doing one presentation back in my university I was like in a you know like suit so and you know proper days but here yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you was in a, I didn't know that it was an astronaut desk. <laughs> so we have so in my first presentation at Utah so I came I dressed up like that alright and you know I saw like the other sister was dressing as usual you know as normal Mm -hmm. I was like you know I done anything wrong (laughs) so yeah that's how you know yes it's more about the education system rather than dressing I would say yeah and rather than uh, rather than the outer look yeah so that they focus and the lecturers, uh, you know, that I've dealt with are nice as well. Even the students and I also in good terms with them as well. Yeah. So all of them are already in the professional field. So mm. it was good.
0: Uh, so what, what were some of the things that were perhaps the most challenging to adjust to when you, um, in the time that you've been here?
1: I would say communication was one of them. It was not easy, as mentioned before, coming from a different country. And then again, like with the accent and other things as well. So it was me and only other guy, only one guy. So I was actually studying bachelor from Bangladesh. Back at that time, probably two students, people from other culture. So communication, communicating with them, even for normal, I mean, for daily things as well and for a study. You know, if I'm communicating with the Chinese students, then you know I need to think about how, how they think. You know, yep. so when I am approaching a Chinese students, or probably when I, I'm approaching students from you know Philippines or approaching a student from Vietnam, so understanding the psychology is quite important. Uh, that took a bit of time, and then definitely I mean um, the co- cross cultural communication was. Yep. Uh, another thing and then the culture as well food i would still say look
0: yeah
1: I i still say i i like i mean i like food of different cultures mm-hmm. but i still prefer food from i mean bengali food yep like Bangladeshi food
0: about communication styles what what um what do you find is some of the bigger differences between, say, the way that um, people in Bangladesh might communicate or interact, compared with how people here might do it?
1: Yeah, look, I think uh, here, if you think think about Australian and then about the culture here, people are more easygoing. So starting a communication is actually easy in here, and people call call them by their name as well, which is quite good. And you know, like in in South Asia, if someone is elder you can't actually call them by their name so you need to call it differently so communication i would i would say like it's quite easy to Mm -hmm. communicate in here and the challenge was you know when i was coming from bangladesh for example like and then getting to know like how they communicate how easygoing they're gonna be whether they will mind if i ask that questions you know what question i should be asking and i need a job but how how should i approach you know can i study communication or will the mind you know will they be angry mm-hmm. so <laughs> that kind of things actually applied in my mind when i first i started to communicate yeah so like uh, even just want to share one experience i came in hobart in June 15 and then in July I was out for a casual job and in Bangladesh I've never worked casually in Bangladesh like yes my parents so that's how the culture is as well like parents provide mm-hmm. for their children till you know they are settled and here it's a different culture as well and I think it's a good thing the system here it is and government has actually created that facility as well and less people so I was going out And I was actually with one of my friends as well. There's a coffee shop that actually just opposite to the bus stop in CBD. I went inside the coffee shop and I was like, how should I hand my resume? And what should I give to it? And I was like, I was really confused. And I was like, I was feeling, I was feeling really shy. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I haven't done it, you know, in Bangladesh. And I don't know how they will going to take it. Yep. But it is actually normal, you know, you, you get in and you ask, oh, look, you know, do you have any vacancy? I just came in to apply for a job. You can take my resume. But, you know, yes, now I can say those things really, you know, like fluently. But back at that time, I was really confused. Yeah. Like, yes, how are they going to take it? So those kind of communication, understanding what people um in Australia will be thinking at that time.
0: Yeah.
1: Was actually concern, my concern. But you know, after living here for that long, I now know that yes, look, they don't mind with anything, even if you ask. Really easy going.
0: As we're talking about sort of cultural differences, and I don't know very much about Bangladeshi culture. I imagine there's some similarities with other South Asian countries. what, what are some of the bigger cultural differences that you've observed between Bangladeshi culture and Australian culture?
1: In terms of difference, I would say like family is one thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, If you think about Australia, yes, in Australia as well, I've seen a lot of people who are quite family focused, but mm-hmm. you see that there is a tendency of living separately after at a certain time yep. due to their independence or career and a lot of other factors as well. And I think that's how it is in Australia. But in Bangladesh or even in South Asia, it's quite different because of the family attachment and again, uh, the thing that I have mentioned before, because your parents are, you know, like paying your bills and things before you settle down. So they they will not tell you to, you know, give something. But again, you, as part of gratitude, probably would like to help them when they're old, because in Bangladesh, we don't have like a system, even from the government as well, that can provide people who are old as yeah. well. Yeah due to large number of people and then also, mm, I mean, the economic factor as well. Sure, yeah. So family attachment, I would say, is more in Bangladesh than in Australia. That is one thing. Communication, I would say it is hard to start a conversation, especially like, uh, you know, if there's a hard topic, difficult topic, it is hard because uh, people... Because we think too much, like, yes, how are people going to be thinking? Okay. So that is actually one issue. Like before, you know, talking with someone, we always think, oh, look, how he going to be thinking? Am I talking the right thing or not? Am I asking the okay. right questions or not? But in here, as I said before, it is uh, quite easy going and much better. So, yes, mm. I found here it is quite easier. So now probably I can start, I mean, I can communicate. Even if I don't know anyone, you know, I can probably communicate with that person or approach that person and ask a few things. But in Bangladesh, it might be a hard to start a communication if I don't know someone that good or if Okay. I... So I say to you, yeah, I started my... Uh, job hunting, like casual job hunting through submitting my resume at a cafe shop.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was really shy at that time. But that shyness, you know, faded away after a while <laughs> yeah. because I needed a job. And again, yes, my parents had decent money back in my home country. But that decent was actually not enough, especially in terms of uh, my living costs as well. Yeah. Other, so I need to earn a bit for that. So I was looking for job. And while I was looking for job, so I got a job like up within one or two months at a Korean restaurant. And yes, as a kitchen hand. So I started working as a kitchen hand for a few to, uh, for few months. And at the same time, I was actually volunteering as well for um, University of Tasmania as Eastern Ambassador. So that actually helped me. So what I have done, again, like after coming here, so the cultural thing as well. And then so I tried to set myself up in a way so that i can understand their culture and again like it was really so i was lonely as well there's not many international students from bangladesh and again so i actually needed to get out of my comfort zone and talk with people so i started talking with people and then started volunteering for university of tasmania met a few people you know met the general manager of CP australia Asked her if I can be a volunteer of CP Australia as well. Uh, she said, look, why not? And then she introduced me with, I mean, relationship manager of CP Australia. That's how I got into CP Australia as a CP Australia ambassador. Like student ambassador, University of Tasmania, student ambassador. I was working. And then from I, there. I should probably just explain. Yep.
0: Explain what CP CP Australia is. That's the that's the peak body for chartered uh, for accountants. Isn't it?
1: Yes, Certified Practicing Accountant. Yep. So I was just talking about how I uh, made my connection, and it actually came through, and I started talking with people and getting out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And yeah, so I was actually doing work in cafe and also in a restaurant as well in Salamanca. And after that, I also worked uh, for a pizza shop as well for a while and side by side what i was doing i was also involved at the university like doing all the leadership things as well like working as an international peer leader that was a paid job but that was in a student leadership role so my job was to assist international students with their transition like you know giving advice with the transitional things and working under international student advisors so that was a brand new role created at that time and mm-hmm. we're the first batch of international peer leaders so that gave me good experience as well Worked there for one and a half years and after that i applied for a role at utas as well while i was studying that was also in a leadership role career peer so help student with your resumes giving feedback on the resumes cover letter selection criteria things like those so that was actually not only, I mean, the students were not only benefiting. So I was also benefiting myself as well. You know, I mm-hmm. was browsing, you know, hundreds of resumes um, each year, and that is definitely giving me an idea, like, okay, when I will be in the job market. And side by side, I was also working um, as a CPA um, ambassador for CPA Australia, through which. CPA peak body, you know, like a lot of industry professional. They used to came in CPA forum and then CPA professional development as well. So I made connection in there as well. I worked for them for three years and I, th- I think yeah connected with a lot of people through that channel and the university as well. Uh, I was working and then I. Um, as a career peer, after that, they offered me a role as an administrative assistant in the Eastern Leadership and Career Development team. So after working as a career peer for two, almost two and a half years, so I worked as an admin assistant for three months in there. That time I actually graduated and I was looking for a job. Yeah, so it was not an easy journey to get my first job, first professional job as well. Yeah. And I used to say I had like, around 15 proper interview there's no accounting firm like good accounting from left except Deloitte and KPMG I haven't been interviewed and I've been to the final stage and got rejected <laughs> and even like um, you know I applied for a job in Cricket Tasmania as well and applied for a job with few other government agencies in mainland also in Tasmania as well at the same time what I did is I applied for the state service graduate program in Tasmania and like I got a call after you know seven or eight months saying uh, you applied for that role and you are because I was actually on the waiting list yeah so I said yeah you are in the waiting list and someone has um, uh, left and are you happy to have the interview so yes I attended the interview and I ended up you know getting the current job that I'm doing but Mm, that job was because I actually I actually worked three months as an administrative assistant at the University of Tasmania, and after that I got that job. So I was actually I lost my hope because I and I've been like 15 proper interview, like accounting jobs and then management jobs as well, like all I would say like entry level ones.
0: You did some volunteer work, and that helped you um, make connections, and things like that. Would be that that be something that you would recommend for other uh, migrants coming here?
1: Yeah, so definitely volunteer is one thing that I would say uh, at whatever capacity they can, they should do. Mm -hmm. And there should not be, so we should not expect, you know, anything in return for volunteering.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes, uh, I mean, the nature is the best doctor, nature is the best giver, you know, so if you do something good, the nature will do something good for you as well. But I would not say, like, okay, if I help someone and then in return, if I volunteer for an organization and if I expect that that organization will give me a job, we should not be thinking in that way. Yeah, yeah. Rather, we should be thinking in a holistic way. Maybe there's lots of things
0: you like about Tasmania, living in Tasmania, but what's the thing that maybe you you like the
1: most? Yeah. Look, I think the lifestyle you know so after yes I studied in Carrot College and then I lived in city for a few years so I'm a city boy I'm from I can say I'm from Dhaka as well because I lived in there for a while 30 million people probably uh, Dhaka is not um, even as big as Hobart so you can yeah, think yeah, well, Bangladesh
0: is one of the most densely, densely populated, populated countries in the world, in the world
1: yeah. Yeah. so you can think about the know population but again i like the lifestyle in tasmania i would say so that's why that is the number uh, you know one thing that i'm still attracted to it lifestyle relaxing lifestyle there's no rush you know and then people as well people are really good and uh, i always tell my friend as well who are coming from you know different parts of the world or sydney mainland bangladesh i Tell them, look, you know, you actually need to live in Tasmania, you know, for for that long, to experience a few things. You know, mm-hmm. just by living in here for six or twelve months, you cannot say, "Oh, look, people, are not talking with me," or you know, there's no job, those kind of things. So, because Tasmania is unique, you know, in its lifestyle mm-hmm. and it unique you know, landscape as well. You know, natural beauty. Yeah. And then also, I mean, people, you know, and here, p- what I have observed is that, yes, people take a bit of time, you know, to understand people from different culture. But, yeah. you know, if they see that, yes, that person is good, they will accept it wholeheartedly. And once they accept it, it will go forever. So, yeah, they'll try to, you know, hold it for their lifetime. Yes, you know, my. when I came to Tasmania, people used to say, oh, look, Tasmania, you're going to Tasmania. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a hard one, hard journey. But mm-hmm. look, I am living in Tasmania and it's been more than five years now. And if, you know, anyone is coming from Sydney and if they talk bad thing about Tasmania, I feel bad, you mm-hmm. know, and I said to them, I share my own experience. And I, I said to them, look, you know, yes, I'm doing job at the moment, because, you know, uh, I mean, local people actually help me more than, more than migrant people, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's because, you know, it's because of my attitude and because of their attitude as well, you know, they're actually helping you. And if, say for example.